Grace, mercy, and the peace of our God be with you. Amen. A few weeks ago, I don't remember exactly when it was, but sometime maybe two or three weeks ago, um, it was on a Friday, I'm pretty sure, and I was going to be picking Gina up after school, and Drew was going to go with me, and then the three of us were going to potentially get some dinner. And what I heard was, don't worry about me, because if you guys get something that I don't want... I'll fend for myself. Now, Paula has um, some dietary restrictions. She doesn't eat gluten um, and because it does things to her that are uncomfortable, um, painful, in fact. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, the kids and I are on our own. High school is really close to a grocery store. I'm like, guys, why don't we get some like frozen pizzas and some ice cream? This is dad dinner, so let's do this. Right. So we go in and we're shopping, pushing the cart around, right? And we find some frozen pizzas. And I notice frozen pizza, gluten free, frozen pizza. Do I buy any? No, she's going to take care of herself. She's got this. Put the frozen pizzas in the cart, put some ice cream in the cart. We probably got some other things because when you shop with dad, it happens. So we did, and we, you know, got it all, ran through the checkout, load it up, go home. Pull things out. We put frozen pizzas on the counter, like, we're going to make these pizzas here in a little bit. And I said, oh, and I noticed that they do have gluten-free pizza there. (laughs) Whoops. And then it occurs to me, that's something she could eat. Oops. Grab my keys, go back to the store, get a gluten-free pizza, and go home. Sometimes we miss the mark. Sometimes we misunderstand or our good intentions only get us so far. Have you had that kind of moment? God has great plans for us, but we don't always carry them out. And it's been that way for a long time. People misinterpreting, mishearing, misunderstanding, misapplying, or simply missing what God has for us, what God has in store for us, what God's recommendations, not recommendations, but rules, guidance, direction is. Israel had the message but missed the Messiah. Peter lived in the presence of Jesus, but often missed the purpose that Christ had come for. Even the Galatian church, if you're familiar with that letter, they had received God's good gift, but really missed out on the grace in that gift. So as Paul wrote to them, it was, you foolish Galatians. We've been foolish. We've missed the mark. Christians have a reputation Did you know that? And it's not always a good one. Some years ago now, David Kinnaman and Gabe Lyons did three years' worth of research for a book that they titled Unchristian. And here's some of what they found. People see Christians as hypocritical, anti-fill-in-the-blank, because we're anti a lot of things according to the world. 
judgmental, too political, old-fashioned, out-of-touch, insensitive, and boring. If you're like me, you hear that characterization and say, that's just absolutely ridiculous. There's all kinds of things that we do, but what about schools and hospitals and relief efforts and after disasters happen, who is there? Christian people working hard, helping the poor, the less fortunate, feeding the hungry. And the church has leadership roles in efforts to meet the needs of the poor, the hungry, around the world, the less fortunate organizations that exist simply to serve other people. And a lot of them are founded by, run by, and based on the teachings of Jesus. These are Christian things. And now maybe we think, well, the characterization in the the media, or maybe we could call it the caricature that the media portrays of the church is why this exists. It has stuck. And because the media will, you know, point cameras at the protesting Christians who carry their signs and do all the things that they do, and maybe that image is what people have in mind when they have this opinion. But they found that most of those surveyed, their views were based on personal contacts with believers. Yikes. And they write this, quote, Many of those outside of Christianity reject Jesus because they feel rejected by Christians. Now we know this truth. We are broken. We are sinners. We have fallen down and we continue to fall down and we carry that sinfulness, brokenness, and inability to carry out what Jesus directs us toward in our lives, in all the things we do, in all the places we go. We can't get it perfect, and we know that. So we get this grace that we receive as a free gift, undeserved. But what people see is a judgmental attitude too often portrayed. And we hear Jesus talk about unity, but too often in the church at large or even within local congregations, the church can be divided. We know about Jesus who did good work after good work, miracle after miracle, and poured his life out. For people, but we can be seen too often as hypocritical, as preachy without doing things. So what is our aim? The Winter Olympics just ended, as probably many of us saw or knew. It was in the news quite often, and NBC had nearly wall-to-wall coverage of the Olympic Games. Well, back in 2004, at the Summer Olympics in Athens, there was a shooter, sharpshooter, named Matthew Emmons. He was the best. Ranked number one in the world. And the conversations leading up to that event weren't about who was going to win the gold medal, but which of his competitors would take silver. He was that much better than all the others who were aiming their weapons and firing at those targets, however far out they are. Sharpshooters are trained to shoot between heartbeats. Have you been in tune with your heartbeat before? Can you hear it even right now? 
Can you feel it? You know how many beats per minute approximately you're, you're running at? You know, when your microphone's not working and you have to do things in front of everybody, it starts, you know, picking up the pace a little bit. They slow their heartbeat. They slow their breathing. And the moment to squeeze the trigger is when the heart's not beating because even that slight movement of blood coursing through the veins can move that aim just ever so slightly. Matthew Emmons knew how to do all of that. He was the best. The final shot came down and Emmons was way ahead. There was no doubt he was going to take the goal, just hit the target. His average shot had been in the nines. All he needed was a seven point something. No problem, right? Squeeze the trigger, bullseye. Done. Except for one problem. Matthew Emmons had taken aim at the wrong target. Crossfire. Somebody else's. Next to him wasn't the target that he was supposed to aim for. He missed his target. Eighth place. Not the gold medal, not even on the podium. So if our results are that we're bigoted, old-fashioned, out-of-touch, disconnected, are we cross-firing? Are we aiming at the wrong thing sometimes? Where can we learn what to shoot for? Well, there's lots of answers, right? There's books. There's podcasts, webinars, all kinds of ways we can hear what we should do. The world has its own opinions about what we should do. Mostly they want us to, stay, us to stay out of the way and keep our mouths shut. We're free to do whatever we want inside here, but other than that, they don't want to hear it. But where can we really learn what to do? The answer is so simple, it's profound. We learn from Jesus. We can learn from Jesus. This is a Bible I got when I was... A kid. Still have it. I wonder if there's a date in here. Yeah, 1976. Christmas of 1976 from my mom and dad. This Bible with my name pressed into the cover, leather-bound, super thin pages with the gold on the edge. It's beautiful. This Bible I was the first one that I really had um, that was mine. And it's the kind that has Jesus' words in red. It is a red-letter edition of the Revised Standard Version. That was my Bible. When the red-letter challenge came along, I knew what that meant, red letters, because that was the Bible I had grown up looking at with thin, delicate pages, not one that I highlighted or circled anything. I had a student Bible later that I did that with. But that was my Bible, my red letter edition. In that Bible, at Matthew chapter 7, we learn to hear these words. Matthew 7, 24, everyone who then hears these words of mine. And he goes on, but hear those words. Listen to Jesus. Last week, we talked about the transfiguration 
And Matthew's version of the transfiguration, which is this event where Jesus takes a couple of disciples and they go up on the mountain and then he's transfigured, transformed. His appearance changes before them. And then there's the cloud and a voice in the cloud. And verse 5 of Matthew 17 captures that. A voice from the cloud said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Whoever hears these words of mine, listen to him. Sometimes our minds wander when we're listening. You ever have that happen? Maybe that's happening now. Have you been misheard before? Just last week, someone on the stream uh, told me later that I was misheard. I said something and it was heard differently. And it was a shocking thing that was heard. And so we got a laugh out of it. Did you really say? No. (laughs) Then we were sent a, a video of a comedian who was talking about misheard lyrics. And you know that song, We Are Family? You know that one? The comedian played a clip of that song, and I wish I had grabbed it and been able to play it for you right now, because uh, he tells you what he hears, and then he plays it, and you hear it. Just let me staple the vicar. The actual lyric, I think, is just let me say for the record. But if you have just let me staple the vicar in your head when you hear that play, that's what you hear. I'm never going to hear that song anything else than let me staple the vicar. I was a vicar once, so I'm a little nervous that Sister Sledge is coming after me. Is that Sister Sledge? Is that right? Anybody? We're getting some, yeah, maybe. We can be misheard. We can mishear things. But we know this from Romans chapter 10. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing what? The word of Christ. We hear the word of Christ, and that's where faith comes from. That's where our understanding and our knowledge and our ability to process the things that God says to us is really comes through faith. Other than that, I mean, outside of faith, would we really understand what God has to say? So we need to listen and learn, right? The Red Letter Challenge is about 40 days of listening to Jesus. We're going to go through this book, and the readings start on Tuesday. It's organized for a, a brief reading. It's not going to be, you know... Very long each day because, I mean, divide that by 40, that's not that many pages per day. And some of them have like, I can read that page quickly, right? So we don't have a lot of reading to do each day, but it's little pieces of what Jesus had to say and how he taught. And we're not going to take them in order in which he said them because the whole book is organized in a different way. There's five targets that Jesus talks about a lot. And this is what the author, Zach Zender, whom I have met, and he's a, he's a great guy, um, just by the way, um, he found five targets in what Jesus talks about. First is being. Can we be? Just be. I mean, the first part is not about doing anything. It's just being, being at the feet of Jesus, being in the presence of Jesus, hanging out with Jesus. What does that look like? This is what he did a lot Jesus did that a lot with people, just presence, right? The second piece is forgiving. 
Jesus did a lot about forgiving, spoke a lot about forgiving, shared a lot, and his whole purpose in living and dying was forgiveness so that we would receive that forgiveness from God. The third piece is serving. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And we're called into a life of service, of doing, of participating, of helping other people. The fourth piece is giving. How do we give generously from the resources that we've been given? And Jesus spoke a lot about finances, about money, about resources, about the things that we have. And the fifth piece is about going. Being on a mission, going where Jesus leads us to go. We need to listen and learn and understand that this is what Jesus talked about the most. And then understand how that applies to our lives. So it comes in here, gets to here, but if it gets stopped there, well, we haven't really done it, have we? We need to put them into practice. This is what Jesus goes on to talk about in Matthew 7 at verse 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Build your house on the rock. What Jesus goes on to describe sounds a little bit like three little pigs, right? I mean, most kids learn that story when we're little, you know, that there was the three little pigs and the big bad wolf, and he's going to come along, and there's the one pig who hastily builds a house out of straw, and the big bad wolf comes along, and the straw blows away, right? And then there's his brother pig who's like, nah, straw's pretty weak, I'm going to build mine out of sticks, because those are heavier and harder to blow away, but the big bad wolf and the sticks flutter away. So those two little piggies are running, right, from the big bad wolf, and they get to their brother's house who built his house out of brick, right? And then he huffed and he puffed and he couldn't blow that house down. Here, Jesus is talking about the wise man building his house on the rock versus the foolish man building his house on the sand. What does it mean to build your house on the rock? The most important part of the building project is the foundation. We need to build on the rock. We need to build our house, our life, our faith on the rock. James chapter 1, we heard these words read too. Be doers of the word, not hearers only. Put them into practice. Carry out what it says. Or as Nike would say, just do it. Sometimes that's easier than others, but practice makes perfect. A couple days ago, we went skiing, and it was the first time I had skis on my feet for like 20 years. I'd done some skiing before, so I was thinking, I can do this again. It's like riding a bike, only different. So I put the skis on, and I grabbed the poles, and I had all the gear and ready to go. Okay, I remember. Remember how? Rode the lift up, first run down. Boom! (laughs) Take some practice. Take some relearning. It's not possible to just hop on the skis and go down like we just saw those Winter Olympians. You know, 70 miles an hour, cutting around those 
flags or whatever they were doing. I would look a, mo- a lot more like Michaela Schifrin. Is that her name? Poor girl. You know, expected to do really well in these Olympics and ended up going home without a medal because she missed gates and fell over. And I mean, that missing gates and falling over, that'd be the easy part. It's unbelievable the things that they do. And it takes a lot of practice, repetition, doing it over and over and over again to achieve that level. Practice might not make us perfect, but it makes us a lot better, of course. See, Jesus' words aren't always easy to follow. There's a rich young man who comes up to Jesus and is like, hey, I'm going to follow you. And Jesus gives him a challenge and he's like, oh, and he goes away sad. And along the gospel narratives, we see several times when people follow Jesus and then what do they do? They fall away. Because following Jesus and doing what he calls us to do and he tells us to do isn't always easy. Take up your cross and follow me is not an easy word for us. Following Jesus takes sacrifice, but he gives us the grace and the strength. Over the next 40 days, as we read, invite Jesus to be part of it, to be in it with you. Especially in this being time, we're just going to be with Jesus. So the first five days are introductory, and then we're going to spend a week on each of those five targets. We could focus on the doing, on the putting it into practice, but we need to read and learn and hear from Jesus first. Invite Jesus to be in it with you and be with Jesus as you listen. And then let's get started. You ever do something you don't understand? You ever try to assemble something with either strangely written instructions or like picture instructions that like which way I can't even figure out which way this goes maybe you get something assembled or, or whatever you put in like Ikea furniture famous for this right instructions that are kind of like huh okay eventually figure it out hopefully you don't have parts left over unless that's intentional that you have a few extras and sometimes it's hard to tell We need to hear and understand and then put into practice. And we need other people. There's an opportunity for a small group experience connected with this time. It's good to have someone else to to keep us on track. When I was about 16 or so, I was on a, a bike event that was like a fundraiser. One of those, you know, go ride a bunch of miles in a day, get people to pledge per mile. Um, I forget what charity it was for. I did it because I just wanted to bike that day, and uh, that was a good opportunity to have snacks along the way that they were providing, and I raised some money at the same time. I'm riding along, and I actually saw and then visited with, for a few minutes, a teacher I had had in elementary school. I had her for two years. Um, She taught me in fifth and sixth grade um, for like one hour, during the school day. So we're riding along for a little while and we're talking and then I thought, I'm ready to ride on and I'm going to impress my elementary school teacher. So I just started cranking and going and just zipping out in front of her 
Problem was, I was thinking way more about her behind me and what she was thinking about watching me ride away than I was about where I was supposed to be going. And there was a right turn, and I completely ignored it, probably marked on the pavement or on the directions that we had, I don't remember which, and I just was on my way, the wrong way. And I was thinking about how impressed she must be with me as she caught me and told me I had gone the wrong direction. Sometimes we need that kind of person to catch us, to tell us that we're off track, to help us get back on course. So through this time, it's a good idea to share it with somebody else. It's 40 days. There's an opportunity to be in a small group. We're going to use that time of our Bible class to break into some groups. So you're encouraged and invited to be part of that if you don't already have an opportunity to be in a group. If you have a group that's meeting or just one-on-one or you want to share this with one person, that's a great way to do it. And there's a a resource that I can send you or point you to. Um, Looks like this. It's the small group guide. Um, So I can send this to you on a PDF, or we can print one if you need it. Because we want to share this time with other people as we follow Jesus together. Spending time with God who loves us, doing what he says, forgiving maybe someone through that you thought maybe you couldn't, might even be yourself, serving and sacrificing more, being led by the Spirit toward boldness and courage and growing closer to Jesus. There's no greater purpose. Let's get started. Let's learn from Jesus and put his words into practice to the glory of God. Amen.